Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me at my website, livetoo110.com. And you can also find this video podcast on the YouTube channel at Wendy Live to 110. Please go there and subscribe. And you can find the video on the corresponding blog post on my website. Today, we have David Sean on the podcast. He is going to be talking about how to stay competition ready, staying fit all year round. And we also talk about this. Um, I was a guest, a, a presenter at his upcoming summit, Stay Competition Ready, which is airing May 22nd. So check out the link below and the YouTube channel or on the corresponding blog post if you want to check that out. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest today on the show. Uh, I'm so excited that I finally have launched my online health program, Body Bio Rehab. Go check it out at bodybiorehab.com. And I created this program because I, I work with so many clients and they're so tired all the time. They have brain fog, they can't lose weight, and they have a lot of basic questions about you know, what kind of exercise should I do and how much? What type of diet should I be eating? How do I detox? What are the most effective detox techniques? And it can be very expensive to work with a nutritionist such as myself that costs you know hundreds of dollars an hour. So I created this online program for only $99 where you can get all the answers that you seek. And if you do this program, it's only 30 days. At the end of that 30 days, you will find that you have increased energy, you have improved brain fog, and many of your annoying health symptoms and conditions have improved or dramatically reduced. Um, so go check it out, bodybiorehab.com, and see for yourself. Our guest today, David Sean, is an entrepreneur from Independence, Kansas. He was a pitcher in college from 2000 to 2004 when a shoulder injury ended his baseball career. He studied biology and business in college and graduated with a BS in business in 2006. And he's held multiple jobs in the supplement industry, nutritional supplements, from 2007 to 2010. In uh, 2010, he created the Stacker Bottle, the ultimate supplement dispenser, which is currently carried in nutrition stores throughout the world. As a physique competitor in July of 2013, David won his first place at the MPC Missouri State Championships. David went on to win his pro card in the Kansas City Naturals Classic in September of 2013 and is now an IFPA professional physique competitor. And David is currently studying nutrition with an emphasis on macronutrient timing to manipulate body composition under Dr. Jerry Brainum. David is also a cancer survivor. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, we're, I'm very excited to be here. Well, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to found the summit that you had me on? Okay, so I am a physique competitor. So stay competition ready. When, when people hear competition and they see the promos for it, they see a physique competitor. So they might think that it's all about fitness competition, but it's not just that. I do physique competitions, yes. But the whole purpose behind it is that when I started jumping in and doing physique shows, the first show I did, uh, a lot of people do like this 12-week exhausting prep, they call it, for their shows. I had a friend that was doing a show, and we were, uh, we were actually texting I'll just I'll just say this. We were texting pictures of each other back and forth 
with no shirt on. And because he was kind of showing me where he was coming into this show. And I, I looked at that and I thought, well, I'm going to send him one of me. And he says, why don't you jump in the show? So I signed up for my first show and I was four days out. I signed up for a Saturday show on a Wednesday. And so I showed up and I've never been a big guy. So I got to try to win with conditioning. And so when I showed up, everybody was let backstage. They're like, oh, I can't wait to eat pizza again. I can't wait to do all these things. Oh, my gosh. And they're like, man, you're, you're shredded. You just do tons of cardio. What do you do to get that lean? And my friend was standing there with me and goes, this guy's that lean all year round. I'm like, oh, I hate you. Do you just do tons of cardio? I'm like, no, I do no cardio. And so at that point in time, I started kind of formulating in my mind that there's a lot of people doing things wrong in the fitness competition arena. And I really felt like as I kept doing show after show, I went in on to win. And I'm natural. And if anyone is familiar with the NPC, it's a non-tested organization. And I took first place at the Missouri Championships in 2013. I went on to get my pro card uh, in the IFPA, which is the pro affiliate to the NANBF. I'm completely natural. And you're not really supposed to be able to compete that well as a natural guy in the NPC. There are people that do it. But my point being is I felt like this burning desire to get out the way that I eat and the way that I train and start getting some people to where they're, they're not in such a miserable state when it comes to preparing for a competition. And so as I kind of refined how I do this, um, there's been a lot more research that's come out to kind of support what I've been doing for years when people say, oh, that's the wrong way. So stay competition ready. And then our tagline is kind of this, fitness experts share how to have abs year round while eating what you love and never counting calories. Because that's what I do. I do eat foods that I love. I do not count calories. I went through a phase where I broke everything down and I learned how to do it. You've been doing this a long time, Wendy, as far as being a functional diagnostic nutritionist. So I know that you can look at a menu. I know that you can look at your plate and get a pretty good macro breakdown kind of in your head without having to think about it too much. So if someone is just starting their fitness journey, I'm not against counting calories and breaking this down and taking the time to go through the process of learning that if that's what they need to do to reach success. But the point being is it doesn't have to be a micromanaged life all the time. There are ways to time your nutrients. There are ways to eat foods that you love. There are ways, if you, if you want to call it a cheat meal or a refood meal or whatever you want to call it, there's ways to do this to where your life is awesome. It's not a trade-off of my life is going to suck or I'm going to look good. You can do both. And also what it is, it's, uh, excuse me, some people think that saying having abs as if that's like this goal they think that's like an inflammatory way to say something because there's this movement of, oh, well, we want, to be, we want to be comfortable in our bodies. And I support that. I think people should be comfortable in their bodies. But I think that people should also be able to achieve what they want and admit that they want to look a certain way or reach a certain goal without being judged for it. And if someone's completely – I mean I have clients that say, well, I don't want to be lean. I just want to be healthy. Well, they said just the fact that they said just tells me that they're not really telling me what the goal is. And as they move several steps down the road, I start to actually see people go, well, you know, I actually want to do this. And I say, well, at first you said you just wanted to be healthy, but you're not worried about dropping excess fat. And now you're saying that's what you want. What changed here? Well, what happened was they started seeing the goal more clear. They, people will tell you what they think is possible instead of what they really want. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give people permission 
to say, you know what, I want to have abs. And I don't care if you're 15% body fat and you need to get to single digit to get abs or if you are obese and you think that if you say abs, people are going to look at you and go, that's impossible, you never do it. My whole thing is say what you really want to do in life instead of, uh, well, here's what I think might be possible because I don't want the judgment. I don't want to have this judgment if I put this outlandish dream of what I want for myself out there. Put it out there and be bold and there's a way to do it. And what's cool is we've got 21 plus several bonus speakers now. You're one of my experts on the actual panel. We've got 21 people that are going to come on and talk about how to have abs year-round, eat what you love, and never count calories. And on top of that, we've got physiology experts, physical therapists. We've got functional diagnostic nutritionists like yourself. We've got people that are going to talk about uh, digestive health, hormonal health, everything that you need to be a competitor and be healthy. We even have people that talk about, here's how you select a good coach to coach you through it. Here's the supplements you should take. So we're trying to cover everything that's missing in this wildly fast exploding arena of fitness competition that's that's not very well understood by science in certain areas. And it's also, there's even less coaches to keep up with how many people want to compete. And on top of that, outside of the actual fitness competition, uh, it's about being lean and mean in life, if that's what you want to be. So you can be more competitive in sports, in business, so you can think more clearly and just have a happier life where you're sharp and you're able to go after the goals that you want. So that's kind of a long answer, but that is the idea behind the summit. Yeah. And so, so we know that, you know, physique competitors, they, uh, you know, they will they'll have a few competitions and they, like they said, you said they work, you know, three or four months to get in that, you know, physique ready, competition ready. Um, but is there a way you can stay competition ready year round? And even as a lay person, what they can do to stay competition ready, so to speak, year round? Right. So let's define competition ready. Competition ready doesn't mean that you're ready to step on the stage right now at 4% body fat. But what it does mean is that you're a stone's throw away from that. You're not in a situation where you have to do like a, let's say, a 12-week prep. You can be lean and mean year-round. I like, I like to say lean and mean because when I'm leaner, some people think if you're leaner, you're going to have less energy. I feel more energy. I feel more aggressive when it's time to attack the weights when I'm lean. So a lot of cool stuff starts happening when you're quote-unquote competition ready. So yeah, you, you can have abs year round. Um, you got to have your diet on point. You got to be able to listen to your body. And too many people are bulking up, cutting down, bulking up, cutting down. And what happens is they think that they can just reduce their body fat percentage to a certain point and get on stage and think that they can win. And competition isn't all about winning. Everybody has their different goals. But someone who, and I'm just giving you an added advantage of being competition ready all year is that you're not going to have fat under your skin. So if someone lets themselves get up to 15, 16 as a guy, let's say a physique competitor, 17% body fat because they're bulking, they can cut down for that show and they can cut all the way down to 4 or 5% body fat and they're going to have a really low body fat. But guess what? They're going to have a little bit of extra skin, enough that skin's not going to be necessarily tight and like that nice dry look that you want on stage. So if you take a guy, everything else being equal, that's let excess body fat happen throughout the year, and you put him next to a guy that sits at like 8 or 9 or 10, or let's say even lower than that, and then he drops down to 4 and you put them by each other, one of them's got to have skin that's much tighter. So that's an advantage is that if you stay lean year-round, you're going to look better on stage. I like to say this, you know, the guy that's the leanest the day of the show, he was probably leanest six months before the show as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's definitely a good goal. I, I, I need to aspire to be lean year round, which I'm doing that. I actually just lost uh, 15 pounds. Um, so I'm like super excited. I've been working out, lifting weights and eating, eating a lot healthier, following my own advice. <laughs> that's awesome. What, what, so what, did you, what do you attribute this recent 15 pound reduction to? Um, I just got tired of, uh, you know, uh, eating a little bit too much and I haven't been working a lot trying to help, you know, the listeners out there get healthy and not taking care of myself. So I decided I'm going to take some more, take some of my time back and uh, just started lifting weights and uh, going to hit the gym, doing some walking and eating, uh, no, cutting out sugar completely. I was kind of cheating a little bit here and there. Um, I just get real strict with my diet more. That's cool. You know, I, I'm glad you brought this up because it's something you hear over and over from experts is, and I've heard several different people that have written books say this, um, one of the worst things you can do for your health is to write a book yeah. on being healthy because <laughs> it's such a tremendous amount of work yeah. that you kind of, for the short term, sacrifice your own health in, 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 you know, in the spirit of trying to help, help other people. I mean, this, this, the Stay Competition Ready Summit, uh, it's a lot of work right now. And I've not been as on point with my workouts. I'm still trying to keep the diet on point, but it's a lot of work. So if you're putting in all this work for other people, it's really easy to let yourself not do some of the things that you're actually preaching. Yeah, because I've been like the last two years, I've just poured everything, every time, all my time into my website and writing and and, and the, doing the podcasts and whatnot. And I just I haven't I haven't really worked out. And I, this is the first time in my life I've ever slacked off slacked off on that. So now I'm just getting back into it, being more consistent with it. It feels really good. Totally. Good, good. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are some of the biz- biggest mistakes that fitness competitors make with their diet, or anyone trying to get in shape does with their diet? Uh, you know, so let me let me answer that question from the perspective of because I'm a physique competitor, everybody has, and I always like to say there's no universal path to individual success. So everybody has their different goals. But if I'm answering this from a specific niche, and a lot of this will bleed into bikini competition, figure, bodybuilding as well, a lot of this can kind of cross over. But if I'm just speaking on physique, one of the biggest mistakes people make, we've already talked about that, is having this... this uh, this this thing in their head where they're going to bulk up and cut down. Um, it, it, it's usually it's, it's just an excuse to eat bad. Um, another mistake they make uh, is that they, okay, for instance, they don't have energy on stage. Okay, so what I see a lot of guys doing is they, you have a morning show and a night show usually, and so you have to pump up for both shows and you probably water depleted at least the night before, and then you're carving back up and there's all these things that are going on in your body that are making you more tired. So guys, if you're going to pump up twice in one day to go out and look your best, don't work out once per day in preparation for that. So one thing I'll start doing, and like I said, I'm not a big guy. I've had six shoulder surgeries, elbow surgery, I've cracked a few vertebrae, and and a long list of health problems that I've had. So I can't lift as heavy sometimes and I have to miss workouts because of my body. Uh, so I have to do. I feel like I have to do everything else so right in order to jump up there and have a chance to win. And part of that is the conditioning part. So about let's say four to six weeks out from a show, start doing your regular workout and then come back and get like a, a twenty to thirty minute full body. Not full body. I mean, you, you don't really need to pump up your quads that much, but just a full upper body pump workout. Uh, and start doing that about six weeks out. Do it once a week. So when it's the day of the show, your body's ready to receive two pumps in that day and actually be able to hold the pump. Because what they do is they'll show up and they'll do that pump workout for the morning show. 
and there are so many things that are going on that they're not used to, and then they go to pump up again for the night show, and they just can't get that pump going. They can't get their energy going, and they can't hold the pump for very long. So that's one little tip is to practice that. Start six weeks out. Once a week, do your regular workout and then another pump workout. And I could go on and on all day about some of the mistakes that competitors make, but another one is that, you, that people really need to utilize the time that they're burning fat. And what I mean by that is too many people are doing the whole sweet potatoes and, and chicken every three hours. Their glycogen levels are so full all the time that it's too easy for them to spill over into fat storage. And there's a lot of bodybuilders and physique competitors that have had lots of success doing a diet where they're getting, I don't care if it's good or bad carbohydrates, getting them in every three hours. I get that. Excuse me. There's a lot of people that have had success with that. But if you really want to be, your goal should be to be in the best condition on stage. If you really want that to happen, you're going to have to utilize that time that you're fat burning. We're ready to burn fat right when we wake up because we're fasted throughout the night. But if you're constantly putting good or bad carbohydrates into your body, your glycogen levels are going to be either full or close to full. And for the people that don't know what glycogen is, it's the storage form of carbohydrates. And when you take those in, it makes your muscles look bigger and fuller. But once your muscles get to where they're full of glycogen and they spill over, now you're going to be massively storing fat. So what I see people doing is they have their macronutrients all portioned out perfect, right? But there's almost no room for error because they're getting themselves in a situation where their glycogen is full all the time. So one little cheat meal, one slip up, one whatever it is, and they're spilling over to fat storage really, really quick. So try to walk around with your glycogen levels a little bit more empty. This is nothing new. There's something called a ketogenic diet, which I don't follow. I'm not like a big fan of doing it long term. This is nothing new out there in science, but there's a lot more people that are catching on that this works. So I'd say maybe the biggest mistake people make is the diet and just really keeping glycogen levels full all the time and, and spilling over into fat storage and not coming in in good enough shape to where they have a chance to win or just to be their personal best. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they're working out, but they're not really doing the right intensity. Uh, what's the best way to, you know, maintain the kind of intensity in the weight room that's required to cause a, a transformational change in your body? Oh my gosh, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, you've got to put yourself in a good position to where your nutrition is on point. Um, you know, when I get, if I'm at like 10% body fat, and I usually don't even get that high, I'm not as intense at 10 as I am at, let's say, 7 or 8. As I start to get leaner, I start to feel more aggressive, and I want to attack those weights. I feel really good. My testosterone's high. Now, and, and we talked about that a little bit. If I dip down to like 4% body fat, there's a sweet spot in there. Then the energy levels start kind of going down a little bit. So physiologically, you have to be on point, but, and your nutrition has to be on point. But the main thing for maintaining that, that intensity in the weight room, especially when you're closing in on a show, is the mental aspect. And this is not going to come as a surprise to anyone that's listening. Everybody knows that it, it's a mental thing. Excuse me, my mouth is getting dry. This is, uh, <laughs> this is, I think, my fifth or sixth interview today. And no, I always guzzling water on my, all my podcasts, too. Yeah, so, so uh, you really have to fuel yourself with the right mental intensity going into this. Really, when you decide you're going to sign up for a show, know that it's, it's going to be awesome at first because you, you send in your little, 
you know, your competitor form and you told your friends and you posted on Facebook that you're doing a show or whatever it is that these people do, that that's going to be exciting for a while. And then you run into your first roadblock, that first dip in energy levels or that first week where you're not really feeling like you look that great. Maybe you started carb depleting a little bit and your muscles look flat and you think that you're, you're not as lean as you were, but really you're just flat and your muscles aren't as tight. There's a lot of things that are going to try to trick your mind when you're going into a competition. And not just competition, I'm talking about people that are on a fitness journey or a health journey that are trying to get to a goal. There's so many little tricks that like there's a million distractions out there in the world. And so when you start hot, you have to keep that intensity. And so there's little tricks that I have. For instance, and I will I will share a story about myself. Um, this is something I use on the days where I have a lot of energy, where I have medium energy, and especially when I have low energy, is that I like to look back at how far I've come in my life. And that's something that anybody can do. We're, we're always trying to be better, and I get that. I think it's really important to, to set your goals high. Um, but, but it's also to important so you don't become disheartened at the journey you're on to look back and see the distance you've traveled as well. And so fuel yourself from the beginning with a very clear goal and, and, and be ready mentally for that dip in the energy level, maybe in the motivation. Know that it's coming and it's okay. You're human. And then when that moment comes, here's what I'll do a lot of times. I will picture if I feel like my progress is not exactly where I want to be, I'll remind myself how far I've come and how I will do that is I will picture, and anyone can do this, it could be their lowest moment in life or they could picture the worst their physique or their body ever looked or the worst their health ever was. And I'm not talking about living in the past here and being negative. What I'm talking about is reflecting on the distance that you've traveled. So for me, I try to channel the most powerful thing in my life, which was my all-time low. And then I try to look in the mirror and go, here's where you are now. And what that moment was for me was that when I was 15 years old, uh, my hip started hurting in wrestling practice. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to tough it out. And then it got to where I couldn't walk. And long story short, six months of just excruciating pain. Um, I was going to physical therapy trying to get my hip right. And a physical therapist put his thumbs on my hips and they were off by an inch and a half. So these doctors that had put me in a body cast and they threw all this pain medication and all this stuff at me, they, they couldn't figure out what was going on. This physical therapist called the doctors and he said, you need to get him a CAT scan. There is something really wrong with his hip. Well, they got a CAT scan and, and there's this big spot on it that showed up in my hip. And I found out that I had uh, KI1 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer in my left hip joint. Wow. And so what, what started out as just a, a, a day trip to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I'm from 90 minutes from there in, in Kansas, uh, ended up being a five-day hospital stay with a biopsy. And and shortly after that, I started chemotherapy. And I, I, I was a skinny kid. I, I was wrestling, and I had no fat on me, but I was about 135 pounds. My first chemo treatment, I didn't even have any fat or weight to lose. I was about probably 5'10", 5'11", at the time. That first chemo th treatment took me down to 103 pounds at like 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. And you picture 103 pounds is not much. Even on like a, a petite female, 103 pounds is pretty little. So picture a 15-year-old boy who's 5'10 or 5'11. I, I, I remember my, my little moment. I walked into I, – I was like dragging my IV because I hadn't eaten or drank anything in five days. I'm wasting away. I'm on my crutches because I can't walk. 
I walk into the bathroom and I like kind of tripped and caught myself on the sink. And there was something about that moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw how skinny I was and how unhealthy I looked. I mean, it looked like something from a concentration camp. It really did. And so that was the moment where I felt like, okay, this is a real challenge. There's a lot of challenges that have been thrown at me. Here's a real one. And, you know, I became disheartened and all these emotions came over me. I, I never cried because I think I was too angry to cry or maybe too dehydrated. I don't know what it was. But I looked in the mirror yeah, and, and I, remember, I remember thinking, all right, this, this is where you sink or swim right now. And so I decided you're going to beat this and you're never going to be weak again. And so to me, I made a promise to the kid in the mirror, a very, very sick 15-year-old kid. And I remember looking in my own eyes in that mirror and saying, you're going to beat this and you're going to come back and you're going to be stronger. So when I'm in the weight room and I'm, and I'm preparing for a set, a lot of times I'll close my eyes and I'll go back to that moment. Because it's really easy um, when you're making progress to think that you're not getting anywhere. Because, you know, it's not linear. It's, it's like this, you know. So uh, I will picture that moment. And as I'm preparing for the set, I will close my eyes. I'll picture that moment. And I can still remember it very vividly in the promise I made to myself. And when I feel that, when I feel the energy coming because I think about the distance I've traveled, I will then open my eyes and I, I will see what I am today. And that discrepancy in what I was picturing with my eyes closed and opening my eyes to see what I am today, it's like lightning strikes me every time I do that. It never gets old. And, and that's how I start my set. And trust me, when I fuel myself mentally that way, motivation is never, ever a problem. So it doesn't matter what somebody has going on in their past. It, if you're in the weight room and you're lifting or whatever your journey is, you can always reflect on the progress that you have made. So that's just a little trick that I have where I picture my lowest moment, I picture where I am now, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, you have made progress. There is reward for what you're doing. And all of a sudden there's an insurgence of motivation that I can't even describe. And that's how I keep my intensity high. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's just a really uh, an amazing way to kind of mentally get you pumped up, so to speak. So, um, because I, I'm definitely going to employ something like that as well. Uh, I think that's uh, that's just that's just a really good, really good tip. Uh, absolutely. Um, so you know, a lot of people when they're trying to when they're trying to get in shape and work out, they get really hung up on food. I think the food is what really trips them up uh, when they're trying to get in shape and get competition ready. So what's the best way to mentally approach a change in food choices that will lead to a sustainable transformation? Well, so there's a lot of people that are, are carrying excess fat and, and they want to maybe lose some of that fat. And usually what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to break up with processed carbohydrates pretty much completely outside of some kind of a strategic refeed. Or if, if you get to where you're really good at it, you just kind of know when it's time to maybe do some type of a refeed meal or a cheat meal or whatever you want to call it. But as far as mentally approaching it, you got to know that when you, when you break up with carbohydrates, it, it can be kind of painful. And I don't mean breaking up with all carbs, but breaking up with processed carbohydrates and staying away from it can be very painful and when you go through that process once again fuel yourself to know that you're gonna feel possibly a little lethargic going through that uh, you know that that carb addiction try to try to think about 
how you're going to feel when you come out on the other side and you get what I like to call fat adapted. It's this painful process when you first start doing that that makes people want to give up. Um, but if, if you crank your fats up a little bit and you pull some of those carbs out, you're, you're going to still have energy. You might not have that quick carb energy, but know that you're going to go down before you go back up. But once you see that light on the other side, your energy is going to be so much higher. And so you just have to know that there's going to be this little dip. But if you stick with it, you're going to feel better. So really uh, breaking up with uh, processed carbohydrates and, and you know, this carbohydrate addiction that our society has is so terrible right now. I mean, I'm sure you, you work with lots of people and you have ways, and, and I'm curious, I want to ask you, I'm, I'm sure you work with people trying to get them unaddicted to carbs. And maybe you have tips on how to fuel them with the right mental approach and the right actual structural approach to how they should do it. Yeah, well, you know, I always tell people to get pissed off. <laughs> That's a, just oh, to yeah, kind of get it. tired. Get You're just sick of where you are. You're sick of how you feel. You're sick of not maybe getting the respect that you want because you're, you're overweight or you're, you're tired of, of – of, you're tired of it. You're just tired of the way you feel and the, your mind doesn't work. And so I, I try to get people to really get in touch with that feeling to, to motivate them because, uh, you know, the problem is biology always overcomes willpower. Um, so it's, uh, it can be really, really tough for people. Uh, my clients tend to be, um, have a slowed metabolism and they're, uh, you know, maybe not well chronic fatigue and things like that. So a little bit different, uh, genre, but sometimes people do really need that kind of exhilarating anger or emotion to kind of push them over, uh, that hump, so to speak. I like that. You know, I think that that's something a lot of people would be afraid to advise someone like you water under your skin. We're talking about, you know, water that's going to make your muscles feel more firm. So know this, if you're a woman and you're going to do strength training, your muscles are going to increase their water uptake. So if you see a little bit of a gain initially and you think, oh, well, I guess I'm that woman that bulks up too fast. This isn't for me. No, you have to know this going in, what's actually happening. And that, and this brings up a whole different thing that people really need to know is they need to know the why. Empower yourself with knowledge. You don't have to become an expert, but try to read about what you're doing and understand what it is. And that right there is an example of if you don't have that piece of information and you're a woman and you're lifting weights and you see this initial kind of like couple pounds you gain, like what the heck? Yeah. I got to stop. Yeah, no, I know that too. Yeah, I for sure. I've yeah. had that, that experience where, because I, I know, because I've lived away so much my entire life since I was a teenager, that when I first start working out again, when I, if I've quit or whatever, that I will gain a couple pounds at first and maybe get, feel a little bit bigger, even though I'm like, what the hell? I've been working out so hard. Um, but then it eventually starts whittling down. So you have to kind of get over that hump. Yeah, and another thing that happens, uh, you know, your inflammation in your body can increase a little bit because your body's not used to actually lifting heavy weights. That can happen too. But what also happens is a lot of times when people start strength training, man, their metabolism just shoots up through the roof. And it's like, oh my gosh, you want to eat everything in sight. Yeah. And so in that time period, if you're not careful, it's really easy to overdo it on either processed carbs or just even good carbs. It, you get in this mindset where your appetite just goes up and it ramps up and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to eat everything. And a lot of people will take that too far. So it's not the fact that, that, that you've added so much muscle that you're bulking up from the weights. It's the fact that your diet probably isn't perfect. It's the fact that there might be some inflammation in your body initially. And it's the fact that you are going to take up more water into your actual muscle cell at the beginning. So know that that's going to happen. And that's something that happens, let's say, for the first 
three to four weeks. And after that, it kind of balances back out, and then you're going to start seeing some really good results. But don't look at the weight. Don't think that if you feel a little bit bigger after that that you're doing something wrong. Keep lifting weights and get your diet on point. And you're going to love the results. So, you know, can a non-competitor have a lean body? Or, or do you have to make it a miserable lifestyle? Is there any way to be lean all year round without, you know, making it a full-time job? Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of listeners out there, they want to get lean. You know, they mm-hmm. want to be lean all the time. They don't want to work so hard for it. Yeah, so if you're a person who is, is listening and you're thinking, well, I don't want to do a competition. That's not me. So there's no point in being like that. There's no point in starving myself like that. What you've got to know is that, and if you go to my website, davidshawn.co, home of the sustainable transformation, that is what I'm all about. It has to be sustainable. So I'm not a person who does competitions and then snaps a picture the day that I'm on stage and says, this is how everybody should be year-round. I live that life. Now on stage, my body fat might be 3 or 4%. Off stage all year, 6 to 9%. And if I never did a competition in my life, I could still, at this point, because I've gotten a lot better at it, um, I could effortlessly stay in that 6 to 9% uh, without question. And it's because of some of the things that we've already talked about, like not eating too many carbs. Try not to eat carbs at the beginning part of the day. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can make this sustainable. And get really good at knowing this. There's no universal path to individual success, so you've got to listen to your body. But if I'm just going to throw out some rules that maybe are bullet points that you can use as some kind of a starting blueprint, try to go with fats and proteins as needed. Try to stay away from processed altogether and try to take your carbohydrates and put them into a more compressed time period. You know, at this point, if I say intermittent fasting, a lot of people know what that is. So what I do is not intermittent fasting, but I would say it's kind of my own modified version of intermittent fasting in the sense that I get carbs twice a day. I do like to have not a lot, 15 or 20 grams, and this is just me personally, that your numbers are going to change based on your body type and everything else. But I like to get a little bit of simple carbs right after my workout to transport the protein in my muscles. And at some point, I'm probably going to need some carbs again. For me, my staples are either brown rice or white rice. And at some point during the day, and it's usually the evening when I'm going to do that, I will have a big meal with brown rice or white rice. I try to keep fats out of that meal. So I'm going to go high with protein in that meal, pretty high with the carbohydrates, and pretty low on fat in that meal. But outside of those two times where I get carbohydrates, the post-workout insulin spike, and then that time where I'm actually actually reloading glycogen, I'm doing fats and proteins as needed. So what am I eating? I'm, I'm eating a lot of, uh, I eat a lot of greens. I, I, I love spinach and I love kale. I like green beans. Um, you know, there's not hardly any digestible carbohydrates in those. So you don't have to count those as digestible carbohydrates. So, you know, eat greens and eat a big volume of those. And, and by the way, your micronutrients are important as well for having energy levels. Outside of that, it is literally proteins and fats as needed. And a day for me might look like this. I might wake up in the morning and have some uh, branch chain amino acids and maybe some coffee. And I will probably have heavy whipping cream, just a little bit in my coffee. <clears throat> Excuse me. And maybe some stevia. And then it, it depends on what I'm doing that day. But if I'm, if I'm not working from home, I will probably have my go-to. I like, I like to have beef, um, which has fats and proteins, or I like to have chicken and almonds, 
fats and proteins. And so those are kind of my staples that I'll kind of stick with throughout the day. And I'll just eat them as needed. I won't necessarily like, I got to sit down with a plate and get a fork and a knife and have this meal. I really will just kind of go as needed and, and eat when I'm hungry. Um, I, I like to eat a lot of hard-boiled eggs too and, because those are easy to carry around. So it's fats and proteins as needed from the standpoint of listening to my body. And then when it's time to eat carbs, don't think that you just need to eat carbs every three hours because that's just what you do. There has to be a reason that you should take in carbohydrates. And that reason, it's pretty, it can boil down to really just a couple things. You want to release some insulin to transport some nutrients to your muscles. That, a good time to do that is right after your workout. Another reason to do it is to replenish glycogen, the storage form of carbs. So if your glycogen is empty, you can get a pretty good amount of carbohydrates. For me, maybe sometimes 75 grams, maybe 100 grams of carbohydrates in that meal, but my glycogen stores were empty. So I'm not going to spill over into fat storage. I've got a little bit of I've buffered in a little bit of room for error here. And so that's pretty much how I eat throughout a typical day. And my workouts, I rotate between like volume and strength routines. Um, so the, yes, there is a way to do that. That's kind of a quick snapshot of how I do my diet. Um, I would say it would work for, I would say, most people, um, but it, it can't work for everybody because there's no universal path to individual success. Uh, but yes, you can maintain a pretty low body fat year-round. Uh, with women, don't listen to the numbers of 6 to 9% like I just said. Women are going to carry more fat in their hips and in their breast area, so the percentages are going to be the same. So you could say maybe add 5% to that for women, but it does vary, vary upon the actual individual. So absolutely yes, you can stay within a stone's throw of competition ready all year even if you're not a competitor. And I know I have a lot of friends that do. And I'm like, why don't you jump in a show? And they're like, ah, oh, that's not my thing. But they could if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find you and your Summit Stay Competition Ready? Absolutely. It's pretty easy. Just staycompetitionready.com. When you go to that page, it's a really simple landing page for the summit. There's a video of me describing what stay competition ready means, things that we've talked about in this interview. And I basically say, guys, enter your name and email. All you got to do is enter your name and email. And once you enter that, what's going to happen is you're going to get a thank you and welcome email. So right now we're in our promo period and it's not started yet, but on May 22nd, we're going to have two experts per day. Everyone that opted into this summit is going to get an email and they're going to get access with the password for two days to these videos. So you guys got to watch these within two days and this will be in the email. Two experts per day and there will be show notes based on what that expert and I talked about. So because there's 21 experts in this summit, almost everyone out there is going to find one of these experts that has some type of a solution to whatever their problem is or something they can learn. So when you get these emails, I know not everyone is going to watch 21 hours of interviews with 21 experts, but read that email when it comes in, see what we talked about, and if it resonates with you, go ahead and click on it and watch. But everything that a competitor might want to run into, you name it, and there's probably an expert that talked about it. So go to staycompetitionready.com if you guys want to opt into this. And, and for anyone that does, I just want to thank you in advance because we're really excited about this project. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I was really happy when you called me and asked me to be on it. And I thought it would be a really good idea to talk about food sensitivities 
And because I know a lot of, uh, I've known a lot of trainers. I've had a lot of personal trainers and not a lot of guys that are training and they tend to eat the same foods over and over and over. They have like their, their meals that work for them and they, they know the carb, the macronutrient ratios and whatnot. So I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about, you know, some of the problems that can occur and uh, issues with losing weight and leaning out if you have food sensitivities to all these same foods you're eating day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. So when you get to the point where let's say you start a fitness journey, at first you don't know what works for you. And then you get to the point where you may be even competition ready and now you know exactly what foods work for you. Excuse me, and you hear people say this all the time that are that are doing competitions. They know it works for them, so they stick to what you know they know is simple. And so we have this environment of people that have gotten where they're a little bit more advanced in fitness and, and that environment has put them in this little space where they just stick with the same things all the time because I know what works for me and I'm afraid if I switch this up, you know, maybe I won't look as lean or I might not be as big. So they think they've got it all figured out. But like you said in the interview, if you keep eating the same thing every day, you can develop food sensitivities to these things. So guys, please watch that interview with Wendy and she's going to talk about how to rotate some of these foods. And if you know your macros, you can actually ro swap these different foods in and out and rotate it. And, and real quick, do you want to talk about um, some of the things that can happen if you start to develop food sensitivities? And I hate for it to sound like we're selling fear no. here. <laughs> no. You can talk about some of the symptoms uh, you know, th that might come up if you start developing food sensitivities. Well, you know, th th that's the thing. The food sensitivity symptoms are very vague and they can be attributed to almost anything. Um, but a very common one is throat clearing. If you eat a meal and you're clearing your throat all the time, you've got a constant runny nose. You're one of those people, your nose just is always running or always blowing it. You can get headaches. Uh, you can feel kind of nauseated. You can have GI issues, a lot of gas and bloating and diarrhea or constipation. Um, people can have stomach pains. Or they can have stomach aches after they eat. For me, when I after I ate gluten, my stomach would just ache for hours, and I thought, oh my god, I'm dying of cancer or something. Um, but uh, there's there's many 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 symptoms. Um, uh, brain fog is a very common one. Fatigue. So these are vague symptoms that people just don't attribute. But when you discern and discover your food sensitivities and eliminate those foods, you you can eliminate so many symptoms that people are having. These nagging, vague symptoms the doctor has no cure for, or treatment, or medication for. Um, but you also uh, reduce inflammation and lose weight, and you're more uh, you know more able to lean out as as a result of getting rid of these foods that don't work for your body yeah. yeah and you know I've been competing for years and and in that interview I learned some really cool stuff that I didn't know so guys if you're competing if you're not competing check out that interview because there's some really cool stuff in there David thank you so much for coming on the show and listeners if you want to learn more about my website live to 110.com go there check out how to detoxify all about my version of paleo the modern paleo diet and how to heal your health conditions naturally Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.